Gospel Message is brought to you by the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. for this time be thou exalted in the name of Jesus let us be seated in God's awesome presence praise the Lord you are welcome once again to another wonderful service this is our month of uh, exploit by the grace of God, and um, exploits will not be scarce in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. And of course, our anchor verse by now should have become a song to us, Daniel 11.32. Can we have that, please? Particularly the second part. Those who do wickedly against the covenant is shall corrupt with flattery, but that is where I'm going. But somebody say, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And by way of introduction, I just wanted to recap what the Lord gave us last week. Because it's going to be sort of like an extension of that uh, from what the Lord gave us last week. And for those of us that uh, were in the house, let's just uh, 
bear with us. And for those that um, were not there, we just wanted to quickly look at or remind ourselves what the Lord spoke to us about last week. And the pastor was talking about the hand of the Lord. The title of that message was Exploit by the Hand of God. And he was saying that when the hand of the Lord is upon you, there are a few things that will happen. And specifically, he gave us three things that will happen. He did say that your status, past and present, is not relevant. And of course, he also said that you will be clothed with unusual boldness and strength. You will be clothed with unusual boldness and strength. And lastly, he reminded us or he challenged us that God will definitely be the one, definitely be the one calling the shot. And he did say that when God is calling the shot, three things are also wrote into that. That you must choose his hand all the time. You must choose his hand all the time. He also said that don't walk against his hand. Don't walk against his hand and never forget who is in charge. God is always, always and forever will be in charge. And he encouraged our hearts that we should stay calm and enjoy the ride, even though it may feel unpleasant. And the question that was coming to my mind as we were going through that lesson at the time, my particular attention was drawn to the second part of the third point, where he said we should not walk against his hand. And I'm like, does it mean that we can walk against the hand of God? So it don't mean that when the hand of the Lord or when the Lord has made up his mind to put his hand on someone, whatever happens around, whatever happens around, no matter what people are doing against that cause or against the person, becomes inconsequential. But I think it's a case of what are you doing yourself that can either accelerate or bring back what the Lord wants to do. And that takes us to this word, which I believe the Lord has laid upon our hearts to share about staying under the hand of God for exploit. Because he told us that when the Lord's hand is upon us, what and what shall happen? And we would like, I would like to stay under the mighty hand of God. And I'm sure you would like to do that also. So the case is that what is staying, how do we stay under the mighty hand of God? And the Lord also led us to today's teaching also by the example that we gave last week was about Saul and David. So we'll be looking at these two characters, their lives, and see how one stayed under the hand of the Lord for exploit and how the other did not stay. Our concentration would, if we have the time, we'll go to David. Our concentration would be on Saul initially, to see 
how despite the fact that he was anointed, at least if somebody was anointed, was anointed by Samuel, that definitely the hand of the Lord was upon him. So what happened? What went wrong? Where did he take the wrong turn? What did he do? What did he not do? That led to the Bible recording that the Lord rejected him and said, I regret anointing him as king. So we'll be doing a, a, a lot of reading from the book of Samuel. And before we go on, in the grand and perfect design of God, every man or woman was created and designed to do exploits. I want us to get that straight, that the, the creation of God, how God designed, created, wired us, we are wired for exploits. And I asked myself quickly, how did I come to that conclusion? Quickly, we know that God created man in the image of God in Genesis 1, 26. We have time at home, we can read that, 26 to 31. We, are, we were created in the image of God. We were created in the image of God. Somewhere again in, in, in the book of Psalms, 82, 6, the Bible records that ye are gods. Ye are gods. And again in the book of Psalm 139, verse 14, we all know that important Bible verse that talks about you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when the Lord Jesus was living, he told us that Greater things than this shall you do in John 14, chapter 14. So, we are packaged for exploits. I'm packaged for exploits. You are packaged for exploits. So, Saul too was packaged for exploits. Likewise, David. And the Lord will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. So, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel, chapter 8. 1 Samuel, chapter 8. And start from the fact of how Saul became king. How Saul became king. Some of the points that the Lord brought to us last week, you will see them play out here. How Saul became king. First Samuel, okay, chapter 8, thank you. And Saul came to the throne because Israel at that point started clamoring for a king. Samuel was judging Israel. Then he became old and his children were not up to scratch. So the people were like asking for a king. And that was the prelude to how God selected Saul. And in chapter 8, eight verse 1... And it came to pass when Samuel was old and he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second son, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonor gain, took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel 
when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. So that, that, that was why Samuel, Samuel came, came to become king. And in, in chapter 9, in chapter 9, verse 1, when the Lord had said, okay, this is the man that will be king over the people, of course, Samuel told the nation the consequence of having a king of their own, which they said, fine, we are going to go with that. And in chapter 9, it was recorded that there was a man, verse 1, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zerah, the son of Bekorath, the son of Apir and Benjamite, a mighty man of power. A mighty man of power. This is the lineage of Saul. And remember that last week we were, we were told that your past, your present, your status does not matter in this case. But it was recorded that Saul has a powerful background. He has a family that is powerful here. And he had, cho- and he had a choice. He had a choice. An handsome son who made, whose name was Saul. So we could see that Saul came from a very powerful family, a renowned family. But this is not, it doesn't really matter. But in comparison to David, his family lineage was not talked about. They just said a a Bethlehemite that his father was Jesse. That was all that was said about David. But here we saw that Saul came from a very powerful background. It was recorded that his family, his father, was a mighty man of power. It was also recorded in verse 2 that he had a choice and handsome son. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. So we could see that this guy has got his stature. He's got the physical appearance. He was handsome, good family, and the Lord also chose him. So he's got everything going well for him. And talking about his coronation, his appointment, or his anointing, it was also more ceremonial because it was done in the open. It was done during the feast that was being held. Now, let's leave all of that. This is just to show how he came to become king and how David, in comparison to David, David was anointed in secret only before his brothers. David was overlooked. David, his family pedigree was not recorded. He was not like Saul. But yet, Saul did not stay under the hand of God for exploit. And if we look at Saul's ways, We'll go on to look at that in first same book of First Samuel chapter 13. So we are going on to chapter 13, verse 1. All the points we are going to take out from, from the reading. And it was recorded that Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for, chose for himself 3,000 3, men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Mishmash and in, in the mountains of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people is sent away, even every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, 
and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all the Israel heard it and said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. And people are at the sand, and the people as the sand, which is on the seashore in, in multiple. And they came up, and they came up and encamped in Mishmash to the east of Beth Evan. If you read this story further, because of our time, what happened was the guys were afraid. There was a war that was coming against the children of Israel. People ran into caves. People were hiding. And Saul felt pressured. Saul felt pressured. He felt so pressured that what did he do? What did he do? The Bible records that when the men of Israel saw, that's verse 6 now, when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves in tickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan. Some people ran away to the land of God and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering and offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, then I saw the people were scattered from me and he gave an excuse. And I can see here straight away that Saul did not stay under the hand of the Lord because he was looking, he was walking by sight and not by the spirit of the Lord. Because he saw what was happening to his people. He saw the pressure. The people were distressed. And I'm sure maybe he inherited some of the pressure himself. And he was distressed himself. It dawned on me that Samuel gave an instruction. That is the guy that anointed him. And so to say, his spiritual father. He gave an instruction that I'm coming to do whatever for, the, for this purpose. But he could not wait. He could not wait. And this was a similar situation that Elisha and his servant and the king of Israel, uh, Syria found, found themselves in Second Kings. When they felt surrounded by the army of the, Syria, of the Syrians. And what did Elisha do instead? He prayed to God that the Lord will open the eyes of his servant to see that there is the host of heaven who, is, who are fighting for them. But Saul in this case, what he did was he took matters into his own, his own hands and he offered a sacrifice that he shouldn't have offered unto God. So we can see that to stay under the hand of God, we have to walk by, by the spirit of the, of, the God, of the Lord and not by sight. And not by sight. We need to stay under authority. We need to stay under authority, be it spiritual, be it marital, be it family and government. The, the point here is that it does not matter the anointing. It does not matter how you came to be who you are. 
And that was why I went through how Saul came to become king and his pedigree and his attributes. But the point is, it does not matter. If, if you have a calling upon your, of God upon your life and you want to remain relevant and stay under the hand of God for exploit, because you're a vessel, don't forget, I'm a vessel, I won't forget that. So I must stay under authority. You must stay under authority. I must walk by, 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 by the Spirit of the Lord and not by, by, by sight. Because that was the first error that Saul made. And the Lord was looking at him. That was a major, major event in the life of, of, of the people. And he, he messed it up. Because he could not wait. He was counting down for God. He was counting down for God. He was counting down for God. And many other times in our lives, we do that. When we are faced with difficult situations, when we are faced with challenges, we, we count down for God. We count down for God. We, we, we ask God, where, where are you? Where are you? It is good to, 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 to talk to God. It is good to ask God. It is good to pray to God. But we cannot count down for God. We cannot threaten God. And it, it don't on me as some, some, uh, Saul said, if you are not going to do anything, Lord, I am going to do this myself. I am going to do this my way. Forgetting the fact that the man, the God that is sacrificing to is the one that is going against at the same time. So the guy is, was working against himself. And he did not stay under the authority and the instruction of prophet Samuel. He did not do that. And that led to his downfall. It is possible sometimes, as, 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 as we walk with God, it is possible that a wife is, is anointed or is ordained and the husband is not. That does not mean that she should still not stay under family authority. Sometimes our children might be high flyers and you think, okay, your, your, your father is nobody. That does not mean that you should still not stay under family authority. Sometimes the way we behave, even as Christians or as anointed men of God, sometimes is that we, we, we flout the rule of, of the nation. That does not mean that we should not stay under governmental authority. And these are little, little things that we do and sort of prevents the hand of the Lord to stay upon, upon a person. We are talking about how do we stay under, staying under the hand of the Lord for exploit. The Lord has definitely anointed you, yes. The Lord has given, has backed you up, yes. But we cannot take liberty for license. We cannot take liberty for license. To, in order to remain relevant, in order to keep doing exploit, we have to watch what we do. We have to watch what we say. We have to watch how we act. This was something that Saul failed miserably in, in doing. But the Lord will help you and I in the name of Jesus. We'll move quickly along because of our time. Saul, from the little part that I just read, Saul did not walk within the timetable of God. He did not walk in the timeline of God. As, of course, from experience, I'm sure a lot of people would have experienced this in the past, that you think that if the Lord do not show up tomorrow, then everything is over, and the Lord shows up at night. And the Lord shows us up. So our timing is not God's timing. Our timing is not. And it's more glorious when the Lord intervenes himself. He is never, never too late. 
It is never, never too late. It is either you want to run the show yourself or you allow the Lord to run the show. Remember, we, we reminded ourselves of one of the points that God is always, always in charge. He calls the shots, including the shot of timing of when things will unfold or when things will manifest in our lives. He is never, never late. Tell your neighbor, God is never late. And of course, I want to remind us quickly of the story of uh, Lazarus. And some people said, the guy has died. This guy died very, very well. He died, died. Because he was, he was, he was, he was there for days. So if anybody doubted they won, they too, he was dying and he was decomposing. But when they told the Lord, the Lord said, he's sleeping. That is, for, for if I was there, I don't know how I'm going to take it. And you said, this guy is sleeping. He's already smelling. And he's still sleeping. But the way God does things is different from the way we look at things. And if we are going to remain under the hand of the Lord, we need to take things literally as the Lord has said them. We just need to take things that way. We cannot... Last, last week, Pastor was telling us that the, the example was, Saul was... Calcul- you cannot calculate in your head. We cannot calculate. And the little part that we read, we saw that Saul felt compelled. Saul felt compelled to do something. He felt compelled. In fact... The advice at, uh, I've had a couple of uh, men of God said is, when you are too much under pressure, do nothing. Do nothing firstly. Do nothing. But he felt compelled. He looked around. The people were deserting him and all of that. And he, did, he took a very, very wrong step. He took a very, very, very wrong step. You will not take the wrong step in the name of Jesus. On Wednesday, we were, we were, we were discussing a, a, during the blessed gen, and the question was raised that do parents feel pressured to, to do things for their children? And a lot of people have taken the wrong step because of pressure. Husbands have taken the wrong step because of pressure of the wife. Some wives have taken pre, uh, the wrong steps because of the pressure of the husband. Uh, some fa- fathers have taken the wrong step because of the pressure of the children. Some ministers have taken the wrong step because of the pressure of the congregation or of the, of the leadership. And the prayer that was prayed for us was that, and I'm still praying, that none of us will take the wrong step due to pressure of man in the mighty name of Jesus. In anywhere the Lord has placed us, we will not be pressured into doing something that will go against the plan and purpose of God for our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. You will not be pressured to do wrong. In the mighty name of Jesus. And that point in time too, we saw that Saul was playing to the gallery. And this is a very, very common thing in our time. You dance to the tune of the people. Forgetting that you have someone that you can talk to or discuss with. We seek wrong counsel from wrong people. And he felt so pressured that he he needed to play to the gallery. He needed to play to the gallery. And God will help us not to do that in the name of Jesus. Another instance that I want to bring to our attention about Saul 
about Saul. And it's a popular one, which we all know, maybe we know more than this first instance, is the one recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 15. However, before we go to that, let, 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 let me read the, the concluding part of what the, the one we read earlier. In chapter 13, when he did what he did, Samuel came. Samuel scolded him that you have done what you should not have done. And there was a dialogue between them. But the conclusion of the matter was this. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly in 13. You have done foolishly. You will not do foolishly in the name of Jesus. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. He blew it forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. That was a very costly error. I will not make a costly error in the name of Jesus. What the Lord has placed upon our hands, a costly error will not take it away from us in the name of Jesus. And so moving on to his second, the second example, there are so many things that happen in the life of Saul, which we all know. But I just want to bring to us this first one, another one, where Saul spared the king, King Agag, in 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. Verse 1. I'll start from verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people. I think sometimes maybe Samuel now realized that this guy Saul, I will need to send it to his hearing. I will need to remind him. So, instead of him to just give him the message, he started by reminding, like introduction, remember, remember that the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his own people, over God's own people. He is a king over, not his own people, over God's own people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of that God that you are leading his people. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek, Amalek, for what he did to Israel. Now he be ambushed, he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have, and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing, child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Talium, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departs from the part 
departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is the east of Egypt. Now, see what he did in verse 8. He also took Agar king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best and the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen, the fatling, the lambs, and all that was good. I was unwillingly, I was unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless. It sounded to me like this person as uh, is a thief. It's because it destroyed only the things that were worthless. And so that, those are the things that are good for God. Because God wanted everything destroyed. Only those things that they utterly destroyed. And of course, the word of the Lord came to Samuel again. Wow. As if the first mistake was not enough. As if the first mistake was not enough. My prayer for you and I this morning or this afternoon is that we will not make a mistake. Especially when it concerns the things of God. No God is merciful, but he said we cannot continue in sin and expect the grace of God to abound. He said, God forbid. We will not make a mistake. He was calculating how can we kill all this? How can we take all? The Bible said he was unwilling. He was unwilling. So to stay under the hand of God for exploit, we need to heed, obey the voice of God. Fool and not partial. Fool and not partial. In fact, if I, was, if I was to grade him, this was more, less than partial. He did not do it at all because it is only the things that he could, the things that he could not use for anything that he, 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 he destroyed. And he kept the king alive. I don't know why he did that. And so my prayer that we sh- God will not make us make a mistake. It's quite strong on my heart that we will not take the wrong step in the mighty name of Jesus. So to remain under the hand of God for exploit that we are wired to do because God has created us, has designed us that way, we must heed the voice and obey the voice of God and not the voice of man. It does not matter who the man is. We must take responsibility for your calling. It sounded to me that Saul was, he, he, he didn't take responsibility he was looking at what would the people say. He was looking at how would, it, how, would, how would the people perceive him. He wanted to save the day by himself. But never take matters into your own hands. Take responsibility for your calling. But never take matter into your own hands. Of course, we saw that Saul took matters into his own hands. Saul took matters into his own hands. Where did I stop reading? I stopped at 10. And when, Saul, when Samuel asked him, what did Saul say? He was giving excuses. He was giving excuses. 
He was giving excuses. He will not give excuses in the name of Jesus. And of course, Samuel again scolded him. Scolded him the second time. And reminded him what the Lord's instruction was. And in verse 19, he said, Why then did you not obey the voice of God? Why did you sweep down on the spoil? That means you diverted. It's, it's like sometimes you set up a tax force to catch the thief, and they're also stealing the recovery. You know? It sounds familiar. And do evil in the sight of God. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of God and gone on. He said the people, that somewhere he said, along, I was, I'm trying to save time, that some, sometimes uh, he said it was the people that kept, as if he was not king, that can command. But I obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agar king of Amalek and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But, 21 exactly, but the people took of the plunder, the people, he didn't touch. Sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to, to the Lord your God. It sounded like Adam there when he said, it is the woman that you gave me that deceived me. I think as he was trying to cor- make correction, he was falling into more trouble. And hence my prayer that the Lord will keep us from error in the name of Jesus. Maybe he should have honed up quickly and asked for mercy. Because that was why when we read Daniel, our anchor verse, that the people that know their God, if he knew who God was, that this my God is a merciful God, he shouldn't have gone distributing blames. And trying to cover up for himself. But what happened? So Samuel said in 22, as the Lord, as the Lord has, as the Lord has, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed better than the fat of ram. When I was very young, um, there used to be this uh, family prayer meeting in, in, in my household or in my father's household. Um, of course, we have a lot of aunties, and it's, it was a meeting that was held in, in, in Yoruba. So they would ask us to do a, um, a memory verse. And one of my aunties stood up that time, and she read this thing in Yoruba. Man, come and see laughter. Because it sounded... <laughs> but those that understand language, if, you, if, if they read that in Yoruba, it's, it's, it's so... I don't know. It's so, it's so very funny. So, and that verse never left me. But the meaning became more real when I started with the Lord and understood that. But then it was all fun. And I understood the fact that to heed is better than the fat of ram. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. It's as bad as that. And the stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, you are also have been rejected. He also has rejected you from being king. So does it mean that at this point in time, he was no more under the hand of God? Finally. 
But physically, as per the structure at the time, he was still sitting on the throne. Was he not? But there was no room for exploit anymore. Because what? The hand of the Lord was lifted. I think I'd rather have the hand of the Lord on me, not on the throne, than being on the throne and, and don't have the hand of the Lord. Because we see that play out in the life of David. David, at this point, the Lord made up his mind that the new king, my hand is shifting to David. And so, my prayer point from that is, you will not be a figurehead in the name of Jesus. In your place of work, you will not be a figurehead in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for a man here, as the man of the house, you will not be a figurehead in the mighty name of Jesus. Saul became a figurehead from this moment onwards. And he started behaving erratically. He started making more mistakes. He started making, committing more errors. I don't know. Maybe when we see you, I will ask you, why then didn't you just take him out and just allow the man to go? I don't know. I don't know. We will know some things in part until we see Jesus. Maybe it's a question that I will ask. Or, as I was saying it now, might be a training ground for David himself. Because he anointed David and immediately he didn't have the right to the throne. And that is the flip side of God's having his hand resting on you but you are not in limelight. And that tells us what we can, what did David do to have the hand of God upon him despite all the trouble. So how did David come onto the scene? How did David come onto the scene? Once God rejected, there cannot be a vacuum. God now said to Samuel, how long will you mourn? Because Samuel grew up he became close to, 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 to Saul, liked him. How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. So, blah, fill your own with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Among his sons. Then, and Samuel said, how can I go? Because if Saul hears about this, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And he went as the Lord has instructed. Then he got to the house, of, or he got to the place. He invited the family to the sacrifice, to the sacrifice. And of course, when, when Samuel comes to town, because he's a judge in Israel. When someone comes to town, people would need to watch as he come to judge because he, he goes from city to city, but he, lives, he was living in Ramah. So people were like, and he said, peacefully I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Because the people asked, have you come in peace? He said, peacefully I have come to sacrifice to the Lord in verse 5. 
Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and he invited them to the sacrifice. Going further down, he got to the place where he was to anoint David. And we are back to the points that were raised last week. And he said, so it was in 6 that they came, that they came, that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. That is him looking at physical appearance. So we are back to that point about God does not look at appearance. And he said, this must be the man. But God said, that is not the man. And we saw how from verse to verse, he brought the next child. The brother brought the next child. David was not even invited for that, for that lunch. He was not even invited. Don't forget that he was out in the field tending the sheep. David was overlooked. His background does not... He was the youngest. All these did not matter. Because once the hand of the Lord is upon a person, it does not matter where you are in the company. It does not matter. Some companies are surviving because you are there. Because you are in the employment of that company, that's, that's why the company survived. They may not know that. Because you are praying. And if you are the only Christian there, definitely, somebody told one of, another person, uh, some, I just overheard it, and they said, you guys, you don't know what you are doing. If you are going to sack people, don't sack the Christians in your company. And this is not, not even a non-believer. Now, don't sack the Christians in your company. Some, your company is surviving, or some, some companies are surviving because you are there. So, David was anointed. Before his brothers. David was anointed. I'm jumping some verses. I'm filling it in so that we can move quickly. Then Samuel took the on and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Because he said he would not sit down unless they called him. He was called from the field. He was anointed. And what does that mean at that point in time after the anointing? What does that mean? David is now king. It does not matter whether he's living under his father's roof or Saul was living in the palace and David became king. Despite the fact that he was anointed secretly, despite the fact that he was overlooked and he was the youngest, and what dawned on me with this storyline is that so far you are in the place where God has called you. So far you are at your duty post the Lord will find you out. The Lord will remember you. The Lord will meet you there. Everything was arranged for David to be forgotten. He was not at home. He was in the desert with the sheep. They called over to the party. He was not invited. He was not dressed up. So I want to presume that the, the, the elder brothers dressed up for the party, but he dressed down for keeping the sheep. But he, where was he? He was at his duty post. He was at his duty post. To remain under the hand of God for exploit, you have to stay at your duty post. You have to stay at your duty post. It does not matter if the attention, if you don't have attention. The Lord sees that you are following the instructions that he only gave you. 
because it will meet you there. And when the time of your manifestation has come, they will send for you in the mighty name of Jesus. That's the way God arranges things. He, will, he would manifest you in the mighty name of Jesus. And quickly, I want us to look at how David dealt with the issue of Goliath. Because it was another case of a battle. The same battle, type of battle that Saul faced some time ago. And this time again, the children of Israel were in turmoil. That was a problem because this giant was there. But quickly, we know that story. It's a very popular story, right? Do we all know the story? First Samuel chapter 17, verses 12 to 27. Then we can read it up to 51 if you want for, for completeness. And I'll bring out a couple of things there. You know, David remained humble. Of course, at the point he was anointed in the agenda of God, in the things of God, he was already king. It didn't matter that Saul was ruling. That was just a figurehead. And don't forget that the Bible recorded that the evil, evil spirit came into Saul. And they were looking for who would suit Saul. And they sent for David. So you can see that the king now is serving the one that is not king. But he remained humble. He remained humble. And something I also saw about David, so if you want the hand of the Lord, I hope we are catching the point in the story. If you want the hand of the Lord to remain upon us for exploit, we have to remain humble, irrespective of how God is projecting us. David ministered to Saul even after he was already anointed as king. The Bible also recalls that from time to time, David went back home to Bethlehem to do what? To feed his father's sheep. That David was the king. And that brings to life again the age factor that Pastor spoke to us about. The age factor. That age factor worked for David. So the age factor must be intact if we want to remain under the hand of the Lord for exploit. The Lord will help us in that area because I think we are all going through a school in that area in the mighty name of Jesus. And David stayed under family authority because at that point in time, his father would still call him. Remember, when, the, when, when, when there was this war, the Goliath war, his father called him to go and give supplies to his brothers. Was he king at that time or not? He was king already. But he stayed under authority. Make me king. That and let me know. And come and tell me to go and give somebody supplies at the time. But he stayed under authority. In fact, he stayed under governmental authority because Saul was still commanding him to come and minister to him in songs at the time. He was also a very responsible man. Because the Bible recalls that in, that, in, 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 the, in, in the chapter 17, if you read at verse 20 and also verse 23, when he was leaving 
while he was tending the sheep to go and minister to his brothers, to bring the supplies to his brothers. The Bible, let us look at 20. The Bible recorded that. So David arose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. You may think that it's something that is lead to. He left the sheep with a keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. He didn't just leave the sheep. And 23 again, when he got to the camp and he was talking to the soldiers and wanted to go and meet his brothers, then as he talked with them, there was, there was the champion and the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke along to the, to the same word. So David had them. If you go further down, I was looking for, and all the men of Israel went and saw him. There was a place he said, the Bible said he, he kept the supplies with, maybe I missed that verse. He said, the Bible said he kept his supplies. So what I'm bringing out there that he is a man that is a, he is a responsible person. He's a responsible person. He doesn't just do things anyhow. He kept his supplies because he knew he was responsible for that task. And David, when he challenged Goliath, and it was brought to the attention of Saul, what did he do? He turned all attention to God. To remain under the hand of God for exploit, he turned all attention to God. And that exploit of the day was even more than the testimonies that he gave of the bear and sheep. And God exalted him on the day to the glory of his name in the mighty name of Jesus. One other thing I saw there in that, in the, in that, in that, in that reading was David was not compelled to wear Saul's hammer because that was one of the failings of Saul. He was compelled by the people, but David was not compelled by the king, in quotes, to wear his armor. He stayed with what is comfortable. Sometimes we go through patches in life, and people come up with all sorts of suggestions that are not godly. Do we feel compelled? Do we feel compelled? These are my friends. I don't want to not listen to them. David did not feel compelled. He knew, again, going back to Daniel, where we read, the people who know their God shall do it. David knew his God and what the Lord had done for him in the wilderness. I'm sure we can see two characters here. They are both anointed. God anointed them as king over his people. And yet, the end story of one was, you have been rejected as king. I regret. And the end story of David was a testimony about him that this is a man after God's own heart. In the place that we've read, and the little time that we have, I'm sure we can pick a few things that made David stay under the mighty hand of God. And David did so much exploit. Even, because, even before he became officially installed or accepted as king in front of the people. He did so much, so much. The Bible recalls in 1 Samuel 18, 5. 
And also again, it was repeated in 12 to 16 and 30 that David behaved, behaved wisely and never took matters into his own hands. Remember when Saul was after his life in the cave? He had the opportunity to kill. He never took vengeance. He never took matters into his own hands. And again, he touched base with his mentor, which Saul did not do. David ran to Samuel in Ramah in chapter 19 when the heat was very hot from, from, from Saul. That tells me that he was still under spiritual covering. A lot of us, we stroll in and out of spiritual covering. We stroll in and out of spiritual covering. And my prayer is that the enemy will not catch us when we stroll out in the name of Jesus. David spared Saul, despite the fact that Saul was after his life. He did not spare him just once. He spared him, at least the Bible records, two times. He spared him two times. And we remember the story in Ziglag again. David encouraged himself because it, it was the same pressure that Saul felt at that time. But this was even a worse pressure. They came, killed everybody, took the wives, took the children away. They were everything. And they were about to stone David. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. He did not do a sacrifice. He did not do whatever he was not supposed to do. And lastly, he inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. And that ties to one of the points that Pastor made last week. That you need to be sure when God is, has removed his hand from a matter... You don't go and save the person. Because you need to be sure. Don't go and... You are not going to restore the person. You need to know for sure. And the Lord will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. My prayer is that since you and I are packaged to do exploit, everything that you will do, everything that I will do, we keep you and I under the mighty hand of God. But that is the only place where exploit is guaranteed. And for clarity, when we talk about this exploit, it must be people who, because the Bible says, those who know their God. And by extension, the Lord must know you too, by name. Means you are out of scope if you do not know the Lord as your Lord and personal Savior. You are out of scope Everything that we have said, unfortunately, is awash over your head. So the first wise decision that anybody will need to do is to get himself aligned in a place where the hand of the Lord can be upon you. Because one thing that happens to you immediately you give your life to Christ is that the Spirit of the Lord will come into your life. And once that happens, the hand of the Lord will rest upon you. Then the journey begins. And my prayer is that the journey will not end up tragically like Saul's one in the name of Jesus. You will finish well. I will finish well in the mighty name of Jesus. When I get to heaven, I will see you there in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us stand up for prayers, please. Oh, Lord our God, let us just thank God for another time in his presence and
See, when, when the Lord wants to take a people to a place of honor, a place of authority, a special place, you know, it builds them up. It builds them up. It builds them up. The Lord has been building his church up. The Lord has been building us up as a people. And for those who are wise and who are alert in the spirit, week upon week, you'll be picking these things and putting them together. Because the Lord is about to release a people who know him. The Lord is about to release a people who he has placed his hand upon. So, I want us to just thank him. Because you are among the number. The Lord, from the beginning of the year, just imagine, we are, in, we are running through October now and it's going to be November and it's going to be December he has packaged us so much he has groomed us so much I will not mess it up you will not mess it up in the name of Jesus for a prophet to leave his house to come and anoint a king it's a big thing, it's a big deal a lot of discussion happened between the prophet and God. It's, it's not anyhow. And yet he missed it. Let us pray that you will not pray that you will not miss it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Pray that you will not miss it. Your neighbor cannot pray for you. You have to pray for yourself. Pray that you will not make a costly error. You will not make a costly mistake. In the name of Jesus. Pray that you will be wise in the things of God. Pray that you will be wise. Pray that you will know, understand the move of God. Pray that you will walk not by sight, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Pray that you will not walk out of covering in the mighty name of Jesus. Pray that your trust will be in God and in God alone. The Bible says that wisdom is a principal thing with all thy getting, get understanding. Pray that the Lord will give you understanding in the things of God. Pray that the Lord will lead you. Pray that you will trust only in him. Pray that you will not be pressured into doing the wrong thing. Pray that our children will not be pressured into doing the right thing, into doing the wrong thing. Pray that the church of God will not be cornered in the mighty name of Jesus. Pray that the H factor will work for you. Pray that the God factor will also work for you. Pray that the humility factor will work for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Pray that the words of thy mouth and your actions and your meditations shall be accepted of the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, grant your church wisdom. Every person standing here today, grant them wisdom. In the mighty name of Jesus, those are junctions of life. They will not make the wrong turn. The ones that should turn right will not turn left. The ones that should go straight will not take a turning. In the mighty name of Jesus, those that are looking up to you, the author and finisher of their faith, O oh God, please look in their direction. Stretch out your hand to them. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, please release your 
wisdom to your people. Let your wisdom, let your wisdom, let your wisdom clothe your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Errors will be far from us. Errors will be far from our children. We will remain under your mighty hand, O oh God. We will do exploit. We are wired for exploit. That is who we are in you. We will do exploit. We will go out and do exploit. In the mighty name of Jesus. Exploit in ministry, in career, in the secular. Captains of industry. So shall our story and testimony be. In the mighty name of Jesus. For in Jesus' matchless name, we have prayed. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.